Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Now, a word from our sponsor. This show is brought to you by Practical Herbalist Press, herbal books for today's practical herbalist. Find their books on Amazon.com today. Welcome to show 61, Herb Lab, all about the things we've done with chili peppers over the past week. From kimchi to fire cider, we put this fiery herb through its paces. We even had a chance to use chili for ocular migraines. In Herbal 101, we answer a question about Angelica. Then in the news, we talk about the FDA's ruling on antibacterial soaps. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Sue? <laughs> Candace? <laughs> yeah. It's the tail end of summer, and yes, we are yes. just moving into the cool season here, and so it's time to break out the chili peppers. Yes, isn't it? indeed. Yeah, it's it's fire cider season. It time sure to start is. Ruin that. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect time of year. You can start at this time of year, you can start your um, cider vinegar for next year, and you can use cider vinegar you've already finished off to start brewing up some fire cider. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a delicious time, and it's so nice because uh, you're looking forward. And I love the mm-hmm. the yes. harvest season because you're looking forward to the winter and the coming spring. And that, I think I always think of fire cider as something for allergies, but I know it's it's far more than that. Yeah, in our house, it's more flu and cold season mm-hmm. and it's a warming up and it's a dress your salad and make your, if you do the kale and the cabbage and the root salads like uh-huh. we do, especially during the late winter, that makes them more digestible because oh, yeah. it helps, you know, stir things up. Yeah. So, yeah. but fire cider is one of those terms that's been around for quite a few years. Right. I, I know that uh, Rosemary Gladstar taught this school, herbal school in California from 1978 through to 1987. Yeah. And she taught hundreds of people how to make this particular recipe. And it's it's really based on, there's a whole bunch of older terms for it, cyclone cider, et cetera, that have been around for a long mm-hmm. time, that the variations of it. But mostly it's something spicy and then something sweet and something, you know. Sour. Sour, yeah. You're hitting, like you're hitting most of the flavors, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and really it's also a, a version of Four Thieves. Yes. But it's it's got the sweetness to it. It's like Four yeah. Thieves with some sweetness. Right. And none of that nasty Artemisia stuff in it. <laughs> so I, yeah, I love yeah. Artemisia. I'm not, please do not write in and tell me I'm anti-Artemisia, but it is not tasty to no, me. It's not tasty, I think, to most folks, mm-hmm. to be honest. Extremely bitter. Yep. Which yeah. which is great because then the, you're not going to overdo it. Yeah, that yeah. is true. That your is mouth true. rebels. Yes. Yeah. But fire ciders, I mean, they, they come, you can... You can find so many different recipes mm-hmm. for them online. Yeah, and we have one on our website. We sure do. Yeah, it's called Fire Salamander Cider. Yes, and it's <laughs> it's fun because I am a big rose hips fan. Yes. So when I put it together, I was like, oh, for helping the immune system, you have to have vitamin C. So threw the rose hips in there, mm-hmm. and it just makes it really nice and and that's the sweet, real sweet part of it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the basics to it are, you know, having something sweet mm-hmm. to help make it more palatable, yep. especially when you're going to be feeding it to the rest of the family. Right. You know, as most of us, <laughs> I might be willing to take it. Right. But the rest yeah. of the family will just look at me like, no. Right. 
But then um, adding in fiery stuff like the cayenne peppers is really good because it gets your system moving. It gets your like all the stuff that gets stagnant and blocked from especially colds and Mm -hmm. sinus related or uh, respiratory system related stuff will get moving with with uh, cayenne or really any chili pepper so long as it's a hot chili pepper. Right. Everybody knows you take a bite of hot chili and your sinuses respond, you know, grab a tissue quickly because you're going yeah. yeah. to have some, oh, some waterworks there. So obviously it works. Yeah. There's no, no real contention there. But yeah, I've used it. Uh, I, I had a, a tomato, a roasted tomato sauce recipe that I, oh yeah, yeah, I've been working with and I liked it. Like I put spices in it and stuff, but then at the end I tasted and it was just needed something extra, a little mm-hmm. extra zing. So I threw in, uh, I had a vinegar that I was, I had cayenne, a cayenne pepper in it and garlic, cup cloves of garlic and some rosemary. Mm-hmm. And I, it was apple cider vinegar and just threw a couple of teaspoons of that in there and stirred that up and poof, that was it. That's what I needed for it. Nice. Just yeah. In all honesty, it. that is like a nice, really quite basic fire cider. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. added a beet to it, or oh, yes. a, oh, that would be good. That would add your sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, the point of fire cider is to get all the flavors, right? Yes. So, true. yeah, that would have been excellent addition yeah. to a tomato sauce. It would probably yeah. be really good in a salsa as well. Oh yeah, most definitely. I I usually, if I make a seasoned vinegar, I'm throwing in soups and and stir fries or whatever. But I'm also just taking a spoonful of it in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people like to do that. Yes. Me, less so. But yeah. I, I imagine vinegar. you could take and make a really good shrub with the fire cider. Oh. Because you could start off there and then you just, you know, you heat it up and add enough sweetener. If you did it with uh, honey, mm-hmm. that would be a really good one. That's a good idea. Look, look for well, this recipe too. on the Practical Herbalist to come. <laughs> fire so cider, fire shrub. cider shrub. <laughs> that would be fun. That's a good idea. Yeah. Awesome. So There's, the basic like a basic cayenne vinegar. How do you make yours? Your uh, I'm, I am very, very boring. You know, I've actually put it in both just a regular vinegar, a white white vinegar. Sure. And had it that way. And I think I was mostly using that one for cleaning and things like that. I think I threw yeah. a couple of other things in there. And then I've also put it in uh, apple cider vinegar. And I'm just throwing a dry pepper in there. And I kind of crush mm. it with my finger a little bit to make sure that the the, um, the seeds, seeds which are very very hot yeah yeah that they go in there it's that really sense. simple yeah that would be really good for cleaning because i know that's uh, one of the things that drives away rodents yeah so if you have a mouse problem adding some cayenne or chili pepper to your mm-hmm. cleaning mix would be a really good idea yeah i put it i think in that particular case and i didn't write down the recipe it was just one of those ah this is crazy. I threw it in some like yarrow and a couple of things like that. Yeah. Just to make it easy. And makes sense. Penny Royal would be another good one. Oh, yeah. Penny Royal is repellent to um, fleas, of course, but also that one I think is also an anti mouse. Mm -hmm. I just want Mm -hmm. something I could throw in my mop and sponge water. Yeah. Yeah. I did not, I did not use it on the toilet seat. I thought that would be mean. That would probably be mean. Although, (laughs) hee hee. We well, you know, just use one <laughs> specific toilet. Right, right. Just one, and then I wait and laugh merrily. Yes, that was so probably, I won't do that. I'm just kidding, guys. Yeah, yeah. no. No, we do not recommend don't that you cayenne your toilet seats at horrible. Home. Please it's don't. Terrible, do terrible, terrible, terrible thing to you do. You must be a trained stuntsman. <laughs> yes. That yeah. sounds like a practical joke waiting to happen. Oh. Don't do it. Either. Don't do it. Don't blame us. We're just speculating. Yes. 
<laughs> exactly. Yep. So the things that I've been using it in are like popcorn. To be honest, I You're just put putting it, cayenne on popcorn. Yeah, I use I use Korean chili pepper, which is a little less spicy, and it has a earthy flavor to it that's hard to describe. But does it have paprika in it? No, no, it's a specific chili. It's a oh. Korean chili, a variety that's. I don't know if you can even find starts or plain seeds of it hmm. here, here in the States. Mm-hmm. Probably like in a larger city, perhaps mm-hmm. that specializes in Korean stuff. But not you in know, Podunk, but, Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, not so much in our area mm-hmm. that I found yet. But anyway, it's it's got, like I said, I, I believe it's, um, I think it might be one of the ahi varieties. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's not a, I don't think it's a anum. Which is the cat, the cayenne right, right. and bell peppers yeah. and most of what we use, serranos, jalapenos. Those are all from the anum family. Yeah, and species. I well, we get the we get that powder from our Asian store. Yeah. So and you think it's a frutenza? I think it's either a frutenza or an or a, um, I think it's either the frutenza or the the one that had ahi that the ahi was okay. in. Oh boy, I'm gonna have to look that up. I we will report on another podcast. <laughs> but anyway, it's a specific. It looks a lot like a Thai chili pepper, oh. um, but the top edge is a slightly different shape, and the flavor is different. Uh huh. And so the Korean chili powder has got this sort of earthy flavor to it as well. And I so I sprinkle that on my popcorn with a little bit of dry parmesan, which is like the decadent part. Mm-hmm. And maybe and maybe some butter if I'm being really bad. Uh-huh. But it's a really good mix. Nice. What really do you? Tasty. What else are you using that for? Um, we also do. We've been doing kimchi. Okay. So you know you got to throw your chili powder or else whole chilies. Usually I use chili powder, mm-hmm. and oftentimes I'll use the Korean chili powder for that too. Yeah, because it works. Just blends well. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Patrick? Do you have some recipes you like throwing into the red chili pepper? Yeah. Uh, a lot of my Asian dishes, I'll put it in because it, it, it's it, you can't substitute cayenne or red pepper or anything for it. Those mm. are all too powerful. Mm. This just adds a nice heat that builds. And you can find it in the powder, but you can also find it in a red paste. Whoa. Yeah. In a, like a pot? It's in a little pot? No, well, no. It's in well, a red rectangular container that looks a lot like one of those baby wipe containers to be honest (laughs) really really, yeah (laughs) right and and the name is uh and i'm gonna devastate the name all right but uh gochu garu yeah that sounded good to me Uh i'm i'm really convinced and it's a spicy smoky flavor and i love it i'll take it by the spoonful in the in the paste and just eat it yeah, he's really because they like in the paste they add a little bit of sweetener to it yeah. and okay. stuff. And but that with sesame oil and some garlic and uh, a little bit of green onions is like the best sauce. For that is everything. like we call that Korean ketchup. We call that Korean ketchup. <laughs> so wait, do you just are you heating that too? Are you no. just taking that and you're just like it? You just blend it you together. Just blend just it up. Whisk it together in a little bowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is this some uh, something of your invention? Oh, absolutely not. I could no. never take credit for that. It's okay. in our Korean cookbooks. Okay. Yeah, and it's various like, variations on that sauce, but they're all very, very similar. Yeah, uh-huh. and they have sesame oil, sesame, the go- gochuguru, and gochuguru. The garlic. Sometimes there's ginger. Sometimes there's a little soy sauce in there. It just depends on you know, what you like to do. But every time I make it and I have it around friends, 
Oh God, it goes they so lick fast. the bowl clean. Mm. Literally. I mean, oh I've actually God. seen one friend in particular picked it up and he's like, licking with the mouth, the fingering the finger. it out. I mean, and another thing I like to do with that particular sauce is mayo and that sauce and just a little bit of sesame oil and I whip it up and I have it on my fries. Oh, yeah, it does make a really good like fries Like Thousand sauce. Island dressing with a but little more zinc. Korean kit. style. All right. Way better. All right. Way better. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right. Yeah, that's Patrick's Patrick's kind of deviance. That sounds great. No, that sounds great. I'll I'll take that rebellion. So I haven't, fries. I haven't gotten to my salsa making yet this season. I was gonna try oh. to get to it this week, but it's it's coming up really fast. My house hasn't been busy. But one of the things I do every year is make salsas and I roast the tomatoes like mm-hmm. you roasted for mm-hmm. your tomato sauce and then I roast chili peppers at the same time. I mean two different ovens or two different yeah. you know, not in the same tray. But I'll put all those together, blender them, and then roast garlic on the on the in a cast iron skillet. Oh, separate? Yeah, separate. Mm-hmm. I leave it in its skin. You put some. You put some like all at the, on no, the pan. No, no. You take cast iron skillet. You take your garlic cloves that are still in their skins because what's the point of taking them out? The skins will help them roast. You put them in the cast iron skillet. And then you heat it up and they'll start to pick up brown spots on the outside of the garlic right. when they're ready. I think I do it on medium. I think it's medium or medium Does it high. pop out of the skin? No. Well, it does once you, once you, once they're done. You right. cool them off and you can squeeze, then. yeah, you can mm-hmm. cool them off and you just squeeze them out of there. Okay. And you mix all that together in a blender and that's the basis for a salsa. So you've got your chili pepper, your tomato, and your garlic, and then you can add in anything else that you want. And it Wait, makes... you're just putting the garlic, the garlic, roasted garlic in the blender. That's it. Yeah, I'm taking it out of its skin. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But I put that in the blender with the chili peppers that I just roasted, oh, including including all the juices that collect on the bottom of the right. pan. Juicy and the bits. Same, yeah, and then all the tomatoes. Okay. And I blender all of that up and stick it in a pot, a large pot. Yeah. So I can mix it all well. And then you're canning it afterwards? And that, Yeah. And then from there, I may or may not add other spices. I'll usually add maybe a little bit of lemon, depending on if I'm making it to be an enchilada sauce, I might add some soup stock, about mm-hmm. half the volume. So if I had like five cups of the blended sauce, okay, I'll add about five cups of soup stock oh. and then just cook that together and then reduce it by maybe an eighth or a quarter. So it's a little bit thicker, but right. for enchiladas, you want your sauce to be kind of running. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's going to absorb everything. Mm-hmm. And I've done the same thing. That's uh, the technique I got from the Rick Bayless um, Mexican kitchen. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy that does he do Frontera, I think is the brand of salsas you can buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, his, his recipes are awesome. They're mm-hmm. outstanding. And so I've, I use that basic technique and then I modify it. And when I have been lazy and not wanted to like finish it, I've just canned it, just the three roasted vegetables, canned them. And Mm -hmm. then later I can turn that into spaghetti sauce really easily. Nice. You add a lot of um, fennel to it and maybe some oregano, fresh basil if you have it. Wait, you're putting fennel in your spaghetti sauce? Oh, heck yeah. You're putting fennel seed? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're doing? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm doing. It's really good. I have never heard of this black magic. Oh, my God. It's so good. (laughs) How could you not? Patrick's like shaking his head. (laughs) That is like crazy. No, I've never. It's not spaghetti sauce without fennel seed in it. What? That is something else. (laughs) Never. I mean, you don't put a lot in. Well, okay. How much you put in? Ratio. Um, Well, if if I was going to make... Like one of those jars that you buy from the store is what, a 24, 
24, 30 ounce jar. Yeah. So if I was going to make that amount, I would put in anywhere from a teaspoon to a table, probably about a teaspoon, teaspoon and a half for that amount. It depends if we have a spicy mm-hmm. sausage in it. Because when we no. do a spicy sausage, that has a lot of metal mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, oh. but I put it in even when there's no sausage. <laughs> okay, and it's the ground, that. not just the seeds. No, it's the seed. It's, oh, uh, I pull it's the, the, the seed. seeds. The yeah. Seed, yeah. Yeah, and I may roast them a little bit before I put them in. If I'm doing it without meat, like a meatless one, I'll roast the seeds first because it adds more depth to the flavor of the seeds. Okay. Yeah. It's a, right. That's an Indian technique of roasting all the seeds and things beforehand, and it uh-huh. adds a really nice... Like I've done that a lot with sesame seeds and mm-hmm. a couple things like that. But Same, same oh, thing yeah. applies. Same concept. It changes the flavor. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Um, mm. I just want to go backwards just for a second. Please oh, do. sure. I found out what pepper is used in the chili flakes. Oh, the, in the, the, red, the red pepper, the kim, Korean, the, the Korean, Korean chili, yeah. Korean powder, chili yeah. powder. Okay. There's now this county in Korea is taking credit for it. So okay. I'll just say the whole name. Yeom Seong Jeon Jiel, hot pepper. Okay. And you spell it E U M E no say E U M S E O N G C H E O N G G Y E O L hot pepper. And does it have the the botanical name on it there? Uh, of course not. No. They well, just okay. say that. So uh, they say that the um, with the quality proven at the agri- agricultural powder brand exhibition has a unique scent and taste. The thick, bright skin produces high quality gachotuguru, which we Mm -hmm, talked about, which is the red chili pepper dried and ground into a coarse powder, which in turn makes delicious kimchi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the pepper, and that's why we can never find it here. Right, yeah, because it's specific. And I was just reading as we were talking, Mm -hmm. someone come up with a substitute and said, oh, just use the red pepper from those little packets for the pizza and stuff. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, that's a terrible no. wrong flavor altogether. That's, that is called in keyboard speculation. Yes, yeah, that no, is exactly. keyboard yeah. speculation. So we'll include that link to that particular article okay. on our on our show notes. Yes, we okay. will now. <laughs> as, I just, as I just closed it. As you could, <laughs> yeah. perfect timing then. Okay. Yeah, so the or, thing that fascinated so, me this week. Oh, is there something more on no, that? No, I, I, so let's get back to the, the thing fennel that powder of, chili spaghetti sauce. Oh, you oh, wanted to talk okay. about that some more? What do well, you want wait, to say? Are we back to the Korean thing again? No. Okay, that's no, fine. No. I don't know. What did you want to talk about? <laughs> well, no, I'm just, I just I wanted to get us back on course because let's I, get back on I course. derailed us so to go backwards. So now we need to go forward. Yeah. So let's, the thing let's that fascinated me this week was the idea of using chili peppers for an ocular migraine. Yes. That I thought was crazy because I know as a child, I played in the chili peppers and I rubbed my eyes and Mm -hmm. they hurt for like a long time, the whole rest of the day and into the next day. And every year I repeat the process as I'm making salsa because I never bother to put on gloves when I do my habaneros. Mm -hmm. So I'm cutting my habaneros open and seeding them and trying not to touch the seeds. But, you know, honestly, I'm going to. Yes. And I always manage to touch my eyes and my nose at least once. Okay. And it burns for like three days. And my fingertips will burn for like three days. Right. So So I'm thinking, how on earth is an ocular migraine going to be helped by chili peppers? A woman that makes her own gloves and yet... Okay, we'll move on. (laughs) We're moving on. All right. So with... (laughs) I couldn't resist. I ask it every year. (laughs) 
<laughs> my gloves are fingerless, people. Okay, 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 okay. That's fine. Uh, so we had a patient come into our clinic and was talking about specific ocular migraine. And with migraines, there's all kinds of different ones. Some respond to heat, some respond to cold. This particular one, it was a fairly easy one because, I mean, she had said, I have used every over-the-counter medication um, um, that I can get my hands on. None of it's worked. She's gone in for prescriptions. Nothing has worked. She's tried She's tried all kinds of herbs. Nothing has worked. So she came to the clinic and was like, go ahead, amuse me. I mean, I, 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 uh, whatever, you know, yeah. I'll try it. That's fine. And she was describing how she would buy coffee. She doesn't really like coffee and then put the cup against her eye because it was warm. And then when the cup gets cold, then she would drink the coffee and the heat would help it feel better. Nice. And that some respond to heat and some respond to cold, like I said. And the like the coffee itself would help it feel better, but not take care of it. So it was like, okay. okay. And I went back and talked to my crew and came up with this recipe. Um, wood betony is great for migraines as a base. So, sure. and that's that's wood betony, not the particulars, but the uh, stasis. And I'll put a little link. I, I, the royal I, being okay. Candace. Put <laughs> <laughs> a link up about that one too. So I took, uh, based on our our conversation and the digging that we did, I took one ounce of wood betony tincture, added two mils of ginkgo tincture, and one mil of cayenne tincture, and gave that to her and said, you know, when you start to feel it then just go ahead and take a dropper full and wash it down with some water. So she said, well, lucky me, I'm starting to feel it now. So uh-huh. she took some and then I was like, oh, well, I certainly hope, you know, fairly well. <laughs> Good luck. She comes back in an hour and she's it worked. I don't have a migraine. It was starting and I don't have a migraine. Thank you so much. You know, this is really great. You have this formula for people and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's really great. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So I've just been handing that stuff out. It's nice. been, and it's fabulous. It's just a nice, good simple. circulatory, simple, easy to, to make. People can, if they don't have wood betony tincture that they've made, they can easily buy an ounce bottle in the store. Yeah. That's and a then common add a mill, which is about a dropper full. Right. Well, not the entire wand of the dropper, but when you squeeze the top, yeah, you, it, that's it sucks it's, up to about a mil. Yeah, it's like twenty or thirty drops, roughly. Exactly. So you're you're putting about sixty drops of the ginkgo in there, and then thirty drops of the cayenne. Simple Simon. So simple. Very simple Simon. Yeah, and Fun. worked great. And so you're going to put this recipe it went on the website. On the website yes. with details about the type about of the migraine. About the type of migraine. Yeah, nice. and I think that one of the things we run into with. Uh, particularly on Facebook, but people that come in say, oh, I, I get this. And they're talking about what really is, it's a, it's a condition, but it's, it's not a disease in and of mm-hmm. itself. So migraines or insomnia that's caused by a whole bunch of different things. And yeah. you have to be very specific when you're describing it. Like if somebody says, oh yes, here's migraine medicine. It's not, it's, right. it's a migraine medicine yeah. for a type but just like insomnia can be caused by anything from bad digestion to anxiety, right. you know, one one size does not fit all with those kind of Yeah, that's situations. why some of the more traditional diagnostic techniques, like the ones that are still used in Chinese herbalism or Chinese like acupuncture yeah. and Ayurvedic um, therapies, 
are nice because they end up looking at the whole picture. So you're saying I get migraines, but then they look at a whole bunch of other things that you're talking right. about, as well as the way that your tone of voice, the mm-hmm. your general um, nervous attitude, like whether you're nervous or right. whether you're calm or whatever. And they're looking at outward signs like your tongue and mm-hmm. checking your pulse. And they're using all of those things to figure out which of the many potential things will help your migraine. Right. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to go to the grocery store and just buy a can of whatever and bloop, there you yeah, go. But it, it, simple, ain't, it but ain't that, you know, life is yeah. a little more complicated than that. Yeah. So yeah, I like that Chinese yeah. medicine approach to it. And this was kind of the same type of thing. I mean, a junior med yeah. version of it, of course, but, sure. and it, and it worked great for That's her and nice. she was really excited and it's, it's a cheap fix. We talked about lifestyle changes and yeah. it's like, you know, yeah. it'd be nice if you got stressed out of your life. Like, yes, that would be nice. Wouldn't, wouldn't it? That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been working on that for years. Yes, I love those two, but I'm a social worker. So I can't do that. But yeah, so it was really, really a, a, a great thing that I want to share with as many people as that that fits for them and yeah. take care of it. Cause what a horrible thing, you know, oh, yeah. for some people, ocular migraines can be several times a week for sometimes yeah. for some people, it's a seasonal thing. Yeah. Our family tied gets, to their allergies, for example. Yeah. Our family gets migraines and for some of us family members, it's seems random and it's mm-hmm. a couple times a year. It's like what happened? Yeah, exactly. And it can be anything from just an irritating where the, you know, the world looks right. different or odd or something to, okay, I'm going to go hide in my room in the dark and please don't make any sounds for yes. the next 12 hours. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's bad. So. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you found something to help her. I am too. I'm in too. I really and chili pepper could be part of it. And chili pepper, definitely so, a big so. part of it. That was one of the first things that we came to is like, oh, cayenne has to be in it. Oh, yeah. It has to be because it's such a great warmer. Yeah. You know, yeah. for any of those migraines that respond to heat, that's that would be one of the things that I, or, you know, if they, some people, you know, it's not contraindicated. That's the other thing about cayenne is it's not contraindicated with any medication. No, I think except warfarin. Or the blood thinners. As a blood thinner. Yeah. But even so, the amount but, is but so minute. Yeah. Right. So that's Yeah, you have to take to a lot here. of chili pepper to start seriously affecting your medications. Right. Yeah. yeah. You do have to, although uh, you watch, if you take an ACE inhibitor and you have ACE, inhib- ACE inhibitor induced cough, then it could exacerbate the cough. Right. That's your, that's it. Yeah. And some people do have allergies or they'll get GI irritation or something like that, right, or yeah. they have you know, like don't stick it in your eye. Don't, don't yeah. do the Candace and really stick it in your eye. In your eye. It's yeah. not a good thing. It's a bad thing. And if you have pets if you have and pets. you've been working with chili peppers, try not to touch them, especially around their noses yes. or their eyes, but yeah. the nose, especially. We have a, Jasper has a very high every threshold. Year, every year. Yeah. We if have, you have a, a parrot though. Parrots this is great because they don't, and my, my, my birds love the leavings of cayenne when I'm working mm-hmm. with it. But we have a little video on our Facebook page that has a gal, a mother who's chopping peppers oh, yeah. and then wipes the tears from her daughter's eyes. And then her daughter's <laughs> yeah. like, oh! And then she goes, oh no, and puts her hand on her face and then she reacts. Yeah. It's hilarious. Oh, for God. those of you that like cruel so humor, there it is. So true. It's, it's not real. But um, please check, check out our book. We have a book on chili pepper. We and do. It's an ebook and it's a very inexpensive yet effective way to learn about this wonderful medicine. All right. And make sure to follow us on Facebook. Please do. Yes. And if you have a comment or something, question, put it there. It seems to be the place where we get more action from other lists, other viewers and us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also share your images on Instagram. Oh, yeah. We really yeah. like that. So That's fun. Awesome. Yeah. I've so been enjoying seeing the reviews. Images. 
Yeah, views. the image is in the the practical hashtag the practical herbalist, herbalist gallery yeah. on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, we try to make our uh, we try to be as accessible as as possible through so many different venues, Twitter and Instagram, like you said, and our own little hashtag and Facebook. And yeah. we like being able to be interactive because that's what education is about. It's a conversation. Yes, indeed. And the reviews, like you said. Reviews, please give us a good review on iTunes. Yes. That will help people find us. Yes. Yes, yes. that we will help like people good. find us. Yes. Make us smile. Now it's time for a Real Herbalism Radio sponsor break. The Practical Herbalist Press, that's in addition to our website and our podcast. That is right. Practical Herbalist Press is all about providing really good books and information by written by experienced herbalists. Us. Us. But others eventually as well. That's very true. And it's bite-sized information that we research the heck out of. We have medical information out there that we're really doing a lot of research on. We are, we have growing gardening with herbs. We got stuff for about pets, your home, your family. Ethnobotany. Ethnobotany. Mm -hmm. We also put it in terms of the traditional ways we've talked about herbs. Historic. Historic. Mm -hmm. Whether they're warm and cooling, that sort of thing. Mythical and very practical stuff. The Practical Herbalist Press is dedicated to providing the best herbal-related books on the market. Look for our titles on Amazon, search for The Practical Herbalist Press, or visit our website at practicalherbalistpress.com. Herbalism 101. This is part of the show where Sue and Candace answer a listener question or teach you about an herbal definition or term covering basic to advanced herbal knowledge. If you would like the dirt on herbs, herbalism, or anything else related, you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. If we choose your question for the show, we will send you a free PDF ebook, Natural Nutrition by the Practical Herbalist, currently available for $4.99 at the Practical Herbalist store. Here's Candace and Sue to discuss this show's Herbalism 101 topic. Today's question comes from Michael T., Michael writes, There's an inquiry on Herbal Hall about the use of angelica leaves for nocturia and frequent urination, specifically referring to a product called Saga Pro. I've not heard of the use of angelica leaves, especially for urinary frequency. What do you know or think about it in this regard and this product? Michael, Candace, Sue, what do you know? What do you think? <laughs> That's a really good question. Yes. We to, should... which, to which I can't say that I have personal experience to answer. <laughs> well, we should first talk about Herbal Hall. Talk about what that is. Oh, yes. Herbal Hall is the School of Planetary Herbalism Student Forum, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they it's a, a place where people can just throw out some questions and then a group of people answer it. Yeah. So apparently this question was thrown out and a lot of people were like, uh, uh, uh. right. And there isn't, <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of written documentation of yeah. using angelica leaves, seeds. Yes. Roots. Yes. But leaves, not so much. So yeah, but we did check in with some of our, like it's an Icelandic, the, the saga pro is an Icelandic herbal company. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, with a, so we checked in with Anna Rosa to see if she has any, ideas or if you know if maybe this is an Icelandic practice that hasn't hit the rest of the world yet. Yeah. And what did you find out? Anna Rosa Robert's daughter, she's one of the people that we've got a couple podcasts uh from her interview and we have her book as a yeah. review of her book. Fabulous herbalist from Iceland. 
And she has kind of, she mentioned that there is some traditional use on leaves, but it's not really something that people are using currently. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, there's stories about it being used. For her part, she said, Angelica, if it's being used, it's the seeds. That's where the most aromatic part of it is. There's a lot of essential oils in it, and it's just a really fabulous, you know, digestive and an entire entire system. It's good for a whole bunch of different things. You know, if people have nervous, if they're nervous, if they have uh, circulatory problems or they have problems sleeping or whatever, it's that's what they traditionally use. And I know here in the States, mostly people are using the root, right. Angelica root. And I'm not sure why there's that cultural difference. I think that the use of Angelica root stems from the Asian traditions. And oh. then that moved through Europe, particularly, I believe it was through Germany and across on the, the lower, the southern, more southern European states, mm-hmm. and kind of proliferated. And then so it got into the, the old, states. yeah. So it got into the old herbals that you use the root, mm-hmm. and then yeah, the United States herbalism is got a strong use of Asian and the older European versions right. and traditions. So I'm thinking that's where it came from. Mm. For the most part, what I've seen about angelica seeds and the root is with relating to urination is that it's likely to increase it rather For than the root? Yeah, oh. it's likely to increase urination. Right. And so I'm thinking that if you're using the leaves to try to decrease urination or decrease especially nocturia, which is nighttime urination. Mm-hmm. So having to get up in the middle of the night. Right. To go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom a lot. So if you're trying to decrease that, I'm thinking angelica leaves would be likely to cause it to get worse before it gets better. But once it gets better, to be considerably better uh-huh. because it would be what they're used for, from what I've read, right. is clearing the system, getting your kidneys moving, getting things moving so that that way it's not stagnant. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that's how it would work if it does. Yeah, perhaps it's the, I mean, there's obviously a lot more study that needs to be done about it. We took a look at a specific study, and this was uh, the from the Scandinavian Journal of Urology. This is as exciting as you can possibly imagine. And this oh, is yes. a parallel <laughs> randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study to investigate the effects of Saga Pro, which is a, a particular that's, brand that yeah. they use the the Angelica, and I should should say that it's Angelica Archangelica. There are other Angelicas out there, and it's the leaf, and they're using it on Nocturia. And in this particular case, we looked through it, and it was a pretty good study, really, but, you know, it's only an eight-week study. And if you just look at the abstract, you would think, oh, well, clearly it proves that it works great. But reading the study itself, uh, all 19 pages, yep, yep, that happened uh, <laughs> then what they said is the conclusion is, is that it's safe. Um, and that it, but it doesn't necessarily show that it improved nocturia overall compared to the placebo, but there was some benefits, but since mm-hmm. there were so many people with, this is another one of those examples in which nocturia can be caused by a whole bunch of different things. Sure. And some people were on medication, some people weren't. So for the people that were on medication, it worked differently than the people that weren't. So you can see so, why we really need a, another yeah. study. Yeah, it it's was, a good beginner study, yeah. but not necessarily. Yeah, we learned that it's safe. Great. Yeah. Which is good to know. It I mean, is good are, to know. There are plants that have been used that some parts are not safe, like mm-hmm. rhubarb. The leaves right. are not safe please to use. Yeah, please don't make that a meal. Yes. Yeah, whereas, yeah. So 
Yeah. And with nocturia also, you know, uh, oftentimes, and this, again, there are many different reasons why you could have nocturia, but sometimes it is that your bladder isn't emptying all the way. You know, sure. your muscles have become kind of lax. So mm-hmm. you have a bladder full and then increasing the urination means that you're increasing that flow and emptying it out more completely, which in that case, if that's the reason why you have nocturia, then great. You, you, there's a, there's a reasonable, it's reasonable to think that you've caught, you've solved the problem. Sure. But for other people, there can be other reasons why. And in that case, well, I'm yeah. sorry, we have to look somewhere else. Right. So the answer is we don't really know. We don't know. <laughs> further study, it warrants further study. Now it's time for herbalism and homesteading news. In a world where illness lurks in every bathroom stall and on every subway strap, antibacterial soaps give people a sense of control, a sudsy security blanket, but not anymore. Last week, the Food and Drug Administration ruled that uh, uh, these soaps are no longer good. That uh, opening paragraph was taken from a recent Wired article. So, Sue and Candace. <laughs> I just Maverick. thought it was great. And it I just awesome. felt that in the world. I have been saying this for years. Antibacterial products are evil. Mm. Pure evil. Well. Evil. Evil. <laughs> We we didn't we didn't use them on our kid. No. We refused to do it. We it was hey, it was regular soap, and then we went. Of course, we made our own soap, and it's not a. I don't feel like I'm. There's a vindication here, but it was like I've been right for all these years, kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. I've watched people I know use these things and wonder why is it that they're having all these eczema, eczema, and other problems. I mean, people who don't have eczema, no one in the family, relatives of mine, no one in the family has eczema except for the couple who use antibacterial soaps. And it only showed up when antibacterial soaps became their norm. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, don't use that stuff. It's bad for you. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, it's just bad. It's obvious. Yeah. If we it's have a germaphobe nation. Yes. Well, partly, too, we were marketed that. I mean, we were sold that building. You know, know, there is danger looking around every corner. I mean, I remember a time, you know, when you'd go to the grocery store and you'd grab a cart and go. Now there's There's all these. Yeah, there's wipes. Everybody's being wiped down. Now, I understand where the phobia comes from and the concern. Mm -hmm. But on the same token is that, you know, I don't know that I've ever gotten sick from a shopping cart. Right. No, right. You shouldn't so, put it in your mouth. If anything, we're, right. what you you're going to get sick from <laughs> is because everybody is sending their kids to school with colds and flus because even the schools are saying, well, you have to be in school unless you have, like, have a fever or you're throwing up. Well, I'm sorry. If you've got a cold and you're at the beginning of your cold, you're still contagious. Mm-hmm. So all that you're breathing is a bunch of germs into all your fellow students. Well, even the adults, you know? though. I mean, and and the, adults, you know. too. Yeah. We have the do not be patient zero at the on, when you first walk into our clinic for the staff, right? You know we have that. Do, don't be patient zero. Mm-hmm. Right. Know, if you feel slightly ill, go home. Go we home, we stay really home. want because it can it can spread so fast, and the healthcare oh, yeah. scenario really spreads really fast, especially to people with a weakened immune system. And I think yeah. one of the things that's contributed so much to our disease resistance is people have terrible diets. You know, yes. of course, we're getting every kind of freaking bacteria and, and virus and whatever. We just we, we fill our diets. bodies with crap and, and it can't defend down. itself. And we're worn down. And we're stressed. This yes. whole idea that you have to show up to work because and it's not that corporation is really even demanding it. It's that 
If I don't show up to work, I don't get paid. If I don't right. get paid, I can't cover the rent. If I can't cover the rent, yeah. I lose my house. This is a problem. Right. And we got a needle thin yeah. difference between this paycheck that we get and the next one that we're going to get. There's very little wiggle room. Right. You know, you, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, 20, 30 years ago, then my paychecks, even though I was, it wasn't an awesome paying job, but being a social worker, I could still make it. I had some wiggle room. Right. If there was a delay in my paycheck, no, okay. It was okay. You dealt you know? with it. it was and I had health insurance and you know, I had Blue Cross Blue Shield, for example, and there were things that were covered and now those things are just not there. Right. They're not there anymore. You know, right. we have super expensive health insurance, which we're fa- afraid to use because the copay is so high. Right. You know, there's a lot to it. And yeah, and, and we were sold this crap, which we didn't have to buy. Some of us didn't buy it. No, Some people did. But Too many people did. Yeah, they were they they were told this is antibacterial and it's good for you. And what the FDA did was they looked through and says, is it antibacterial? Oh, I guess not. It's actually just anti-person. Yeah, you know what, was, what were they saying? It shows up in it's showing up in breast milk and newborn babies have it in their bloodstream. Yes, and according to the CDC, these chemicals that they're banning, the group. Of the that are used are the primary group used for these antibacterial products. Mm-hmm. They found they found these chemicals in the urine of three quarters of Americans. Seventy five percent of Americans are peeing these chemicals out. Lovely, and it's because they're showing up. The chemicals are being used not just in antibacterial soaps, but in toothpaste. I mean, my God, that's insane! Laundry detergents, fabrics, babies' pacifiers. I mean, wow, they're putting this stuff everywhere, everywhere, and it's. According to Dr. Halden, let's see, I look scroll back. I'm looking at the New York Times article on this, mm-hmm. which I should go through and say, okay, the name of the article is FDA bans sale of many antibacterial soaps saying risks outweigh benefits by Sabrina Tavernice. I hope I said that right. Okay. And it was published on September 2nd, 2016. Mm-hmm. And the expert that that was talking about these was Dr. Halden. Dr. Halden. He was the, he was the cited. Yes. Uh, he's the cited now. expert. Uh-huh. And. Well, I know that like in 2013, the FDA was like, uh, we got to check this out. You're, you're making claims and we're not sure if that's real or not. And they already had some studies saying that some of the, there was 19 active ingredients that were listed and, and some of the studies were coming back on the specific ones that were like, um, I'm not so sure this is helping. They're, they still have the alcohol-based hand sanitizer, which is mostly just alcohol, like 60% of it is alcohol. Right, yeah. And that, yeah, okay, that's yeah. that's going to weigh. It's not a replacement for hand washing with, with um, soapy water, warm soapy water. Exactly. It's, it's, only, it's only a replacement when you're at an outdoor outhouse like in an event and there is no soap right. and water, then... It's okay. better than wiping it's your hands on your pants. Nothing, right. But, <laughs> but it's really not soap and water is much better. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the common sicknesses we get, you know, stomach flu, sore throats, colds, those are viral, mm-hmm. yeah. not bacterial. Right. So antibacterial. Right? So, so there's really no, you know, yeah. there's no evidence that they're going to reduce, you know, infectious reduce illness. That. Right. You know, right. Yeah. And, and, rather, and you, if you do a lab sample and figure it out, you know, which type of bacteria is it? Is it the gram positive or gram negative? Right, you which know, actually makes a real difference. It sure does. It's absolutely, it's a completely, unless you have a broad spectrum antibiotic. Um, in this case, I will mention Oregon grape. Yeah, I was going to say, which, Oregon grape. <laughs> which mm-hmm. also uh, will change in uh, what it has 
in in ratio from year to year, thereby guaranteeing that it is staff or uh, MRSA resistant mm-hmm. because it changes enough that the the faster than the virus itself can change or the bacteria right. itself. Well, can yeah, change. one of the things that was said in the, uh, the Wired article that I read too is that the amount of uh, I think it's triclosan. Mm-hmm. That is added carbon and triclo. That is added to um, consumer soaps is not mm-hmm. enough to actually kill or remove. Mm-hmm. So Just what ends up happening is that the bacteria take it in and then they regurgitate it out and, and make makes new them ones. Stronger. And before you know it, you have generation after generation after generation. You're of, making MRSA. You're yeah. making super bugs, basically. Yeah, yeah we're making super so bugs. So we've been doing that for almost 20 years. And yep. that, that and chemical. people die from MRSA, and it's horrible. That's a horrible way to go. Right, it's very painful. And that chemical that we were talking about, like the one here, the triclocarbon, mm-hmm. which is the one that's used in bar soaps. That one has been around. The they've found like examples of it that date back to the 1960s. So today, 40, 50 years later, mm-hmm. so almost sixty years later, those molecules of that chemical are still being found. In their particular case, he says, doc, this is that Dr. Halden says, it was still sitting there in Jamaica Bay near JFK Airport. This stuff makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is insane. It's not going it's away. Not it's going not going breaking away. down. It doesn't break down. It doesn't go away. And mm-hmm. we're polluting our world with it. It's a stable molecule. So, yes, I am so thankful the FDA finally banned that stuff. Yeah. And I'm hoping that they take it further and start banning you know, because I don't, I don't think that the hand sanitizer stuff is particularly healthy. I mean, I can see why maybe in a surgery, mm. perhaps, but you know, right? We need good sanitation. We need to have something for you know street clinics, for example, right. like mine. We need something that's gonna give us some level of protection. Otherwise, we but that's where the essential zeros. oils they used of old. It used to be that you would use lavender essential oil mm-hmm. in the surgery to clean your tools and everything because it's an incredibly effective agent against MRSA and it changes from year to year, like Oregon grape changes from year to year, mm-hmm. does all that. There are actually studies supporting its use. Mm-hmm. European hospitals use it in their surgeries. In this conjunction way. with other sanitary yes. hygiene yes. practices. But you know, in conjunction, exactly, in conjunction with other processes, mm-hmm. but it does a more effective job than alcohol-based products. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should get rid of the alcohol-based products, use the hands and soap and some of the other more natural options. Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm all maybe. for a diversity. Like if you've got, a, if there's a whole bunch of different tools in our catalog. So if we've, if alcohol, you know, if it's proven that it really does work, then we need to, to continue to have that. If the and herbalists use alcohol all the time. Yeah, you know, we're 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 boozers. There's no choice about yeah. it. <laughs> alcohol is alcohol isn't really bad. It's just not good to be wiping alcohol in your hands all the time. Right, and it's in healthcare we skin. do it all the time. Yeah, you know? it's bad but, for your skin, and your body doesn't need to ingest that much mm-hmm. alcohol. It's not really good to keep ingesting it, and you ingest through your skin. Right, you except know? it's sure as hell a lot better than ingesting some of the other staph infections that are out there and strep and everything else that when you're in healthcare you're exposed to. I mean, there's a balance there. So more diversity of, we've got all these studies coming in about lavender, geranium, Mm -hmm. uh, tea tree. We introduce some of those instead of avoiding it. And even the FDA is going, oh, that stuff, that's got some science behind it. And, you know, it's much, some people do have an allergy to lavender, but Tea but there's real. tea tree oil. Yeah, there's I tea tree. Have, and, I don't know of any allergies to tea tree oil. I mean, well, Ella Campaign, mm-hmm. that one 
could easily be turned into, I mean, that one's even more effective. Super easy to That's, grow. Yes. Yeah. What were you saying, Patrick? Well, you two sometimes are back and forth, back and forth. We're ping you know, pong. Like, yeah. like, yeah, like volley. Yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get in there because I'm sitting at a different <laughs> angle. Yeah. Do you know how soap works to to be a fighter against bacteria and virus? Do you have an idea? Because I do. I, I found the chemistry oh, okay. behind it and I thought go that was really it. cool. So go ahead. Um, again, this is not a Wired article, but um, I'll just kind of kind of sum, summarize the paragraph. Um, While the classic combination doesn't kill germs, it does mechanically remove them from your hands with the help of a bit of chemistry. Basic soaps are composed of water-soluble fatty acid potassium salts. Imagine a negatively charged head that is hydrophilic or water-loving. It's attached to a long hydrophobic hydrocarbon chain. When you're washing your hands, the tail grabs onto the organic compounds like soil, food, bacteria, and viruses. And the head pulls all that stuff away from your skin, disrupting the microbe's ability to latch on again. Now, trapped in fat on the inside, water on the outside globules, the microbes get easily washed down the drain. There you go, soap yep. makers. I had no soap. idea that it was a mechanical... <laughs> yep based removal system versus mm-hmm. that it just wasn't a hospitable environment. I mean, it is mm-hmm. inhospitable in that sense that it can't do what it's supposed to do, wants to do, right. but I didn't, I had no idea. Well, and so, that's part of why people who do natural soaps like to add the essential oils, like the lavender and the tea in tree. the last and, part of it. Yeah. They mm-hmm. add those at the very end because right. those will also help to create, leave behind an inhospitable, inhospitable yeah. environment. environment. And yeah. if you smell your hands afterwards, you can still smell a little bit of that scent on them. Mm-hmm. That's the, essential oil that's been left behind in low quantities that your skin will absorb and therefore create and maintain an inhospitable environment. Okay, listeners, so. keep look at the Practical Oil Bliss website because we do have a bunch of soap recipes. Some of them are very we simple. We do, yes, we do on our website. We have like recycled um, soap, like you just have soap shavings to turn them into lovely little soap balls. And mm-hmm. we have, you know, ones that are kid friendly and ones that are adult friendly and a bunch of different things like that. So look on our website for the soap recipes. There you go. All the soap makers in the audience are going, I told you so. (laughs) So keep washing your hands. Keep washing your hands. Sue, I had a really interesting contact come up today. Yeah. You've heard of learning herbs. Oh yes. They're great folks. Yes. Yeah, they are. I've been watching Rosalie de la Forette on Instagram and Facebook. She's really, she seems like a neat lady and yeah. a good herbalist. Yeah, and she does her scholarship. She, she looks does. into things yes, yes, I thoroughly. Do. I greatly appreciate that about her. Mm-hmm. So the Learning Herbs is her the company that she works with. Mm-hmm. And they've got a new um, program coming up called Taste of Herbs that they're launching a new one app. Yeah. So they asked us at the Practical Herbalist if we want to be part of their partner program which is essentially like doing an affiliates group. So we decided we're going to, I decided. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to help them out, help the helpers. So we're going to be sharing with you, our listeners, more about this program in upcoming weeks. And hopefully you'll sign up and help us make a little cash. Help us help them. Yep. 